the Arizona Cardinals organization finds themselves in hot water again. What does it mean this time? You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Your team every day. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast and Locked On AZ Cards. Please like, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. Today's episode of Locked On Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduelcom locked on today to get started. So I gave a little teaser yesterday about. Uh, Michael Bidwell being in hot water. Um, I said that I was going to put it on ice because Mr. Mike Sando was going to join me to give his thoughts. And as you know very well on this show, whenever I bring somebody on who's smarter than me, I just let them talk. So I wanted to wait. And uh, we're also going to talk about Kyler Murray in the second segment. Super excited about that. Mike Sando, Athletic, thanks so much for joining me, man. I appreciate it. It's good to be here on the Lockdown Network. You know, David Locke is a longtime friend of mine, 25 years. So he founded the, the Lockdown Network. It's a pleasure. He sure to be did. Here. Real quick. And people don't necessarily know this, but I will take 30 seconds and explain how David Locke and I met. I applied for a Utah Jazz internship on a uh, job site. The only reason why I applied after being in radio for 10 years at the time was I saw it was his personal email address. I emailed him. He's like, you're not going to want this, but I'm starting this platform. I need a Cardinals guy. Do you want it? And six years later, here I am. So yeah, I'm talking to you, Mike Sando, 25 years in the NFL with the athletic and, and other, you know, big name entities over your tenure. Article written by you, Howard, Stuart Mandel, and another on the athletic talking about the situation surrounding a former Terry McDonough, former uh, Arizona Cardinal executive, making pretty harsh accusations uh, about burner phones, et cetera. First off, before getting deep into it, give people who aren't familiar with this a little bit of an overview of what's going on. Yes. Yeah, so Stuart Mandel and Kaylin Kaler and, and I co combined on a story that published, I believe, Tuesday uh, with news of Terry McDonough's complaint and request for arbitration filed with the commissioner of the NFL in which he alleges among other things that uh, Michael Bidwell demoted him and cut his salary uh, as retaliation for uh, McDonough uh, not going along with a scheme where they would use burner telephones to communicate with Steve Kime in 2008 when Steve Kime was suspended and banned from having any contact with the team. According to McDonough, he and then coach Steve Wilkes resisted this scheme. According to Michael Bidwell, the owner of the card rules, actually, yes, there was a burner situation going on, but when uh, Bidwell learned of it, he put a stop to it. That was his version of events. And then there were several other allegations made both by the Cardinals and McDonough impugning each other's character, all kinds of stuff. But I think the, the crux of what we wrote about was, was the burner phone component of it. Now, 
Mike, again, you've been in, around the NFL for a long time. We see more and more introspection now because of social media, and it just everything is a lot more in the forefront of people's faces, people snackable content, whatever it is. A lot more people know about a lot more things than, you know, in, in recent memory. What do you, yeah. When, when you first saw this, what was your first, like, what was the first thing that came out of your mouth or went in between yeah. your ears? It's just so unusual for somebody to come out uh, like this with their name on something so public, right? We we knew that Terry McDonough had been with the Cardinals, but we weren't expecting the, this type of a thing to come out. It's a little bit out of left field. So as you're reading on and reading all the stuff in there, because Terry McDonough put a, a bunch of other things in there, uh, you know, impugning Steve Keim, uh, Mike Bidwell, uh, throughout that this thing, I, I think I was just struck by how unusual that is because most people in a dispute, like in, in this case, a dispute with an NFL owner, um, you know, Terry McDonough is risking a lot, right? Like Terry McDonough might not get a job again in the league. Uh, whereas if he had just left the Cardinals, maybe he would have gotten a job in the league, right? I think this is has the potential to be damaging for him, even if he's, there's risk for him. Right. So that's the unusual component of it is I'm sure there's other people who know things about an owner of a team or have some things they could blow the whistle on. It's rare that somebody actually does it. You know, it's just when you say unusual, if you're going to make a, you know, if you're going to define the Arizona Cardinals day to day, just just in general, dysfunction, unusual is just just another adjective that we deal with on a day-to-day basis, seemingly surrounding this organization. And when you talk about it like that, somebody putting their name on, it's like, my first thought was, how can this be false? How can this be fabricated? How can this be made up? And sure, people do their due diligence. I'm sure this is not, you know, this isn't going to end anytime soon, especially, you know, with, with the, the public man who just, you know, defended the Cardinals on, on behalf of the Cardinals, like, this is going to be a thing that, that's ongoing, but sometimes when there's accusations like this, there's really no going back from it, regardless of if it was deemed to be true or not, at least to the full capacity that the initial complaint said it was. So, like, what could happen here? Like, what are the two options here? Like, it's true, it's not true. Where do the Cardinals well, go from here? Well, they'll go into arbitration and and they'll be heard by the commissioner. Uh, I think the key component of this that could tip it one way or the other is Steve Wilkes. Because Steve Wilkes is, of course, suing the Cardinals following his firing after one season with the team. And the way Terry McDonough tells the story, it was uh, Steve Wilkes and McDonough resisted the burner phone scheme. And so Terry's saying he was demoted uh, and had his pay cut because he resisted. I don't know that he's overtly saying that Steve Wilkes was fired because uh, of that. But uh, I think Wilkes is certainly a a credible person in the NFL as a third party here. If he were to uh, tell the commissioner or otherwise say that, yep, this is exactly what happened. It's one of the reasons I got fired. I think it escalates the uh, liability for the Cardinals. Because when you look at uh, when you look at two coaches, former coaches that are suing their teams, Brian Flores is one with Miami, mm-hmm. and he's basically he said he was fired for not going along with unethical schemes. He wasn't going to tank, and he wasn't going to uh, set up a secret meeting with Tom Brady or whatever, right? Or right. Uh, in Miami. So uh, 
there's a link, right? Because if Wilkes says he thinks he was fired or part of his thing is, uh, you know, he wasn't participating in a burner phone thing that was unethical. I think that's an interesting link and a compelling link. Uh, uh, and there would be likely punishment coming down for the Cardinal, which there could be anyway, because Bidwell acknowledged there was a burner scheme. He just said he stopped it. That's convenient. I mean, and this is, I mean, going back to before Monday Night Football in Mexico City, Sean Kugler was let go, run game coordinator, offensive line coordinator. He said that he filed saying that the firing was unsubstantiated there. It just seems like Michael Bidwell is slowly starting to, if he hadn't already, just lose control of his organization in some form or fashion where if there's a crack in the armor from the ownership, it's going to get exposed, maybe look worse than it than it is. And this may just be another example of that. Mike Sando at Sando NFL from The Athletic. Joining me here, Locked On Cardinals, your team every day. Death, taxes, quarterback tiers. I think those oh, are yeah. the three. Those are the three things that you can rely upon every I, summer. Yeah, I hope people <laughs> enjoy quarterback tiers more than they enjoy death and taxes. Yeah. Be, uh... I, well, you know what? But it's you know what? Consi- being as consistent as gravity is very few things, very few entities that we can rely upon. And Mike Sando, you've made the cut. Regardless of how terrible the other two are. Uh, We're going to talk about it because Kyler Murray, I know 2023 quarterback tier article isn't out yet. I'm sure you are, you worked. I couldn't imagine the man hours you put in every time we're going to talk about this in the next segment, because you've been very honest about Kyler Murray as you are about all quarterbacks, but it's a nice refreshing national perspective every summer going into a season, regardless of what happened the year before, like, this is what Kyler Murray's good at. This is what he needs to work on. These are the constraints. I'm going to ask you about Kyler Murray before and after Cliff Kingsbury and what could potentially be when he's back from injury. We'll talk about all that and more. Plus, is DeAndre Hopkins a Hall of Famer if he were to retire tomorrow? Alex Clancy, Mike Sando joining me. We'll be back after this. I'm telling you what. Death, taxes, quarterback tears, fan duel. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel. I, you know what? If you told me I would say those four entities in one sentence today, I would say you were lying. The NBA playoffs are almost here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. The Phoenix Suns, they've locked in that four spot. They play the Lakers tomorrow. What are they going to do? Are they going to sit everybody? Are they going to give the Lakers a W where they could potentially see them later in the playoffs? You agree, disagree, whatever. FanDuel is an entity that will help you with all of your wagering needs. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Locked on Cardinals, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Alex Clancy, follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner, follow the podcast, and Locked on AZ Cards. My guest today, Mike Sando of The Athletic at Sando NFL. We talked, Michael Bedwell, we talk about just the onslaught of just negative press. I mean, how long has it been since the end, since the pick six that Kyler Murray threw in the end zone in the playoffs after the 2021 season. It's been a tough go for the Arizona Cardinals 
in myriad ways, in all of the ways. Now, transitioning to Kyler Murray, coming off the ACL tear, it's still up in the air of how long he's going to miss uh, in 2023. But with the quarterback tier article that Mike Sando writes every summer or that gets published every summer, what are your thoughts on the future of Kyler Murray just in general? Like, I, I don't need any excerpts. I don't need anything like that. Just your thoughts being in the NFL, around the NFL for 25 years, your thoughts on Kyler Murray through four years of his career. Well, there's been great promise, but it just feels like we're on a losing skid here, you know, with uh, I think the stuff that's come out about, you know, just how serious he is about the job, right? The Cardinals putting that clause. That's another thing we can add to our list of things about the Cardinals was having that clause and they're really doomed him a little bit to some bad, uh, probably some bad coverage, right? Just a skeptical eye. Some of those things were swirling around anyway, but I think he's better than he hopefully he's at a career low right now. Right. He's not a bad quarterback. <laughs> uh, he needs to get healthy and he probably needs to have a better team around him. And certainly he needs to work on his game and improve on some of the stuff. But I think he's always because of his size going to need the, you know, the jets and the ability to run around and make the plays happen. So I think he's hit a low and I don't know that it's going to get a lot better this year because he's going to miss a bunch of time. And he's going to uh, probably not be at his absolute best right when he comes back. So we're probably looking at, you know, the 2024 season being hopefully by then the roster has been reset a little bit. Uh, Maybe they've hit on a couple draft picks. Maybe they, maybe they'll be in position to sign a veteran or two and, and kind of reload a little bit and give him a better chance. Cause I think this year coming up, you know, just feels one of the, executives from a team I was talking to called it a a throwaway year for them. And that that's probably a little harsh. Obviously they're going to be excited under their new coach and all of that, but it looks like a tough year for Kyler Murray just coming back and he's got to fight those narratives and, and, you know, maybe being a little older and a little more mature will help him there. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely been humbled. I mean, I think that's, that's safe to say. And there's some things that I struggle with on this podcast and I've been in the camp that Kyler Murray's won in spite of Cliff Kingsbury and rarely because of him. And I feel like Cliff in, implemented a plan. You know, the in-game adjustments is something that's very obvious that he never really mastered as a coach in four years and penalties and timeouts, like things that good solid coaches do. Cliff Kingsbury wasn't able to do them. So while Kyler Murray, yes, is not a finished product by any stretch, some young quarterbacks have the ecosystem surrounding them. I think Josh Allen's a perfect example. Once Brian Dable came in there, it, it was night and day. Now Josh busted his ass in the off season. I think he worked with Jordan Palmer in the off season. Like he did things to make himself better, but he had a cabinet as it yeah. were of people yeah. that could really not necessarily even push him forward, but keep him from falling back. And I think that's something yeah. that Kyler Murray didn't have the infrastructure in Arizona so far. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, uh, that you have to have that around uh, just about all the quarterbacks, right? To win, really to win, to win big, even Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, he's got one Super Bowl victory his whole career, despite being brilliant, because they haven't been able to get it right around him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So they have a lot of work to do to help him. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's going to need more help than that. But he does bring a special skill set to the table. Uh, And, you know, now we'll just see if the next coach, coaches can, help get it out of them and they can build around them. I call them, uh, or I call them, Oh my God moments 
And we've seen plenty of them from Kyler Murray. And it's coaching that massages more out of any talented player. We've seen the Cardinals starting 7-0 and 10-2 in 2021. And I know this is kind of Uncle Ricoing it. This is looking far back in the past. But not that doesn't happen. Off, they're very like, you know, once a year a team will go on a run. Like Minnesota sure. last year, Philly was always substantiated. Minnesota was the team like, oh, is this real with all the comebacks and everything? But Kyler Murray was special for 12 games. And he was special in Vegas when they came back from three scores in the second half to beat Vegas last year. Like the problem I have is differentiating between perfect in a vacuum scenarios where the ball bounces your way. And, you know, there's broken coverage and things like that that make a quarterback look great, but I can't help but separate myself from seeing that's not normal that a quarterback can do that so potently and in this way being undersized and having a different skill set that that doesn't, that just doesn't leave a quarterback. And maybe I'm too close to it, but I'm anybody that listens to this podcast, I have no problem saying when the Cardinals are far away from normalcy or any sort of, any sort of functional and functionality, but I can't separate myself from thinking that there's not going to be greatness in him from now on. They just need to get him in the right situation to show and succeed. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think he's got a ton of talent. I think you, you know, the, the questions that he has to answer really are in the leadership of the whole team and just taking everything on. Right. And, and that's what we're getting at or the team is getting at with the clause in his contract. I think he has to overcome that component of it uh, and show some growth there and really, you know, really work on his craft and, and really get in better command of it. And then you just need some success, right? You need that. And he's going to need the help around him to do that. I think a little wind in his sails will go a long way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's a really good way to put it. They just need some momentum going forward in a positive direction that can be somewhat perpetual and not existential. Like Steve kind of built this roster around at Sando NFL, Mike Sando, the athletic hall of fame voter selector. I'm getting you out of here on this. If DeAndre Hopkins decided to retire this offseason, would he be a Hall of Famer? So I'm going to say, like, if we had to vote right now, he would. Yeah. there would not be a lot of momentum for him. But we get five years, right? You get five years from the end of retirement. I think that's very helpful because he's on a low right now with the suspension and just the way that it's gone in Arizona. But I did a project um, that I wrote about for The Athletic evaluating the elite production of the best receivers in league history. And to do that, I basically took uh, the eight best seasons uh, for every receiver in the history of the game. And I looked at how close were they to leading the league in receiving yards in that year. When you do that, you adjust for era, right? So the fact that Jerry Rice led the league in reception and receiving yards six times and was very close two other years his percentile in his best eight seasons is a nine, nine, nine. Okay. Don Hudson right there with him. Randy Moss. There's guys like Steve Largent, Julio Jones is in the top six. So when I did this, the top, I'm going to get to where D hop is. Cause, cause he is, uh, I think he's 31. He's 31 in the history of the game. It goes Jerry Rice, Don Hudson, Randy Moss, Torrey Holt, a little bit of a surprise, but really mm-hmm. elite production. Steve Largent, Julio Jones, Marvin Harrison, James Lofton, Larry Fitzgerald comes in ninth, and Reggie Wayne, okay? So there's some other really good ones throughout here. A bunch of them in the Hall of Fame. T.O., Calvin Johnson, Irvin, Isaac Bruce, Tim Brown, Lance Allworth. You kind of get down 
And where Hopkins comes in is around, he's a little bit below Chris Carter. He's near Sterling Sharp. He's near Andre Reed, Charlie Joyner. Some of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Wes Chandler's not. Anquan Bolden's right in there. What do you think? You compare those two together, right? Who would you put in first between Anquan and DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre had more elite seasons of receiving yards, but Anquan's a different type of player. Right. So, you know, I think a case could definitely be made for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think he would just sail right in because uh, he's on a little bit of a down right now. But I think if he had another one or two really elite seasons, it would position him a lot better to get over the hump. All that takes, if there's any sort of momentum from what's been going on, is him just leaving the Arizona Cardinals. He'll be a pro bowler for three seasons after leaving. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. You know, and I'm uh, thank you for that insight. Cause I, you know, I was a huge, I thought that he was on the Andre Johnson track of being appreciated, but not like, Oh, this is the guy when he was in Houston, he showed flashes of absolute brilliance here in Arizona. I think the circumstances and yeah, the PED suspension didn't help Mike Sando. Yeah. That one hurt him. Yeah. That one hurt him. The suspension. Yeah. So, but he can overcome it. So, yeah, I, I guess, I guess we'll see 31 is still, especially for a receiver who hasn't relied on his speed ever to be a top receiver. I mean, he could have that. If he stays healthy, I could definitely see three more solid years from him. Mike Sando, the athletic at Sando NFL. Really appreciate you joining me, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you, Alex. I get smart people on this show to maximize, um, you know, and also hear people say things that I agree with. They just, you know, it was like, we didn't script that. He said a lot of things that I've been talking about, which is fantastic. Mike Sando, one of the best in the business. Steve Kime is going to be an analyst during the draft for Fox. What's next? Is Shaquille O'Neal going to open up a free throw shooting camp? We'll talk about it next, Lockdown Cardinals. Final segment. I mean, here's the thing. When I saw that Steve Kime was going to be an analyst during the 2023 NFL draft for Fox, I thought it was a joke. I thought somebody made a joke. And before I just completely go overboard with this, let's talk about the positives from Steve Kime with the Arizona Cardinals in their draft since he took over, okay? And this is no joke. The highlighted picks for me, DJ, in no particular order. I'm not going to go year by year. Teron Matthew. One of the best. He only dropped because of the <laughs> – it's funny thinking about it now, the, the marijuana possession or whatever it was when he was at LSU. He dropped a couple of rounds. Cardinals snagged him. Hall of Famer. Okay? Great draft pick. The problem that Steve Kime had there was he paid him too much money guaranteed, asked him to give some of it back. He said no, onward and upward. DJ Humphreys, I think, was a very solid pick, especially from the offensive line position. I think he was 2015. That was the last offensive lineman Steve Kime took in the, in the first round. Okay. I think he's a solid pick. He's still on the team seven years later. Like that's a solid first round pick for how many busts there are and for how many players that are out of the league so quickly. Having a serviceable left tackle and above average serviceable left tackle. Good pick. Okay. I mean, the best draft pick that that he made, I'll get to in a second. When you say about Kyler Murray, it's TBD. It was a risk. Bringing in Cliff Kingsbury and drafting Kyler Murray was a risky proposition. The safer option would obviously have been Nick Bosa or Quentin Williams. Even Quentin Williams has really emerged 
as one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL. It took him four years, but he got there. Nick Bosa has obviously been, you know, all world. And Kyler Murray's shown flashes of all world, and they just haven't been able to put it together. The best draft pick that Steve Kime made in his tenure, in my opinion, was Buda Baker. And it wasn't necessarily just because where they got him, because you probably draft him in the middle of the first round now if you knew if there was a redraft for Buda Baker, even though his first year and a half wasn't great. And he had his coming out party, I believe, was in the Dallas game where he had a pick where Kyler Murray threw nine, he threw nine completions and Buda Baker, that was his emergence into the world where everybody knew who Buda Baker was. He was great. We knew who he was here in the Valley, but that was his introduction onto the national stage. And he got a nice contract extension. It was the fact that he traded up to get him. Traded up to the top of the second round to get him. That means that Steve Kime analyzed things, evaluated things, traded up, drafted a player, and he was correct. So when you look at the history from 2013 through last year, Steve Kahn's draft record was laughable. And the problem was, the problem was, that the players he drafted weren't necessarily the wrong, like the players he drafted in the first three rounds, like the last, like uh, Hassan Reddick, it wasn't a bad pick. They just didn't know how to use it, okay? But it was Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins. It wasn't so much of who they drafted. I've talked about this since they drafted Isaiah Simmons. It wasn't so much about who they drafted. It was about their being massively impactful players they could have drafted there at a massively more impactful position of need for the Cardinals with the rosters currently constructed when the draft was happening. So it was a double whammy. Not only did the draft picks not measure up to where they were drafted up until this point, and David Collins is still TBD after two years, Tristan Wirfs was the highest graded offensive lineman in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl history in some metric, when he went his rookie year with Tom Brady to the Super Bowl. Now, I know it was Tom Brady, whatever. Steve Kime put the Cardinals back a decade. And the fact that they're putting him as on draft coverage whatsoever absolutely blows my mind. And I will be laughing, especially, you know why? Because Steve Kime, and with a microphone, he's affable. He's charismatic. He sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Look at the last decade. You done. I was saying to you locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you tomorrow.